And he set up his house with us. Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrase of the Bible, the message says, Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Such a powerful picture that Jesus kind of moved on into the neighborhood. And if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus has already done that in your life. And because Jesus has already done that in your life, you are already a place where God dwells with people because through your faith, the Spirit of God has Jesus dwelling in your heart. This world is only temporary and there is a life behind it. That life is being revealed through us, though, right now. In today's message, Pastor Daniel will explore what it means to be a preview for the coming reality when Jesus returns and establishes His kingdom. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're His witness to the world. You're revealing to those around you who Jesus is and what eternal life with Him is all about. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Isaiah chapter 65 with part two of his message, Our Forever Home. God created at the beginning will be made new at the end. Now, knowing that these things are temporary, doesn't it change the way we view them now? See, this is why I think this is important, because what goes on is that, like, you ever hear this this little saying that I heard, that if in five years it's not going to matter, then don't spend five minutes worrying about it right now. But how many of us actually practice that? Can I get anyone want to own that one? Yeah, I didn't think so. Me neither. You know, because in the moment, this thing gets so big. It, there's so much going on. There's so many variables and we get ourselves all worked up. But when we start to realize that what's going on right now, there's going to come a day when you're going to have no recollection of it. The memories of it aren't even going to be there anymore. It's not even going to pass through your mind because God is going to recreate everything in its totality in such a way that this won't even be a memory. And that changes then how we view all that's going on today. Now, of course, not only is it Genesis 1-1, right now here Isaiah 65, but in the very last chapter of the book of Revelation, Revelation 21-1 says this, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and then there was no more sea. So the idea now is that what happens in the meaning, God creates heavens and the earth, and then all this stuff goes on. Then by the time you get to Isaiah, there's this looking forward to, behold, I'm creating a new heaven and a new earth. And then by the time you get to the book of Revelation, John's like, I saw the new heaven and the new earth. So you're moving from God has done something, there is a fresh promise, and then there is the consummation. Now, as we continue to read here, we learn something about the reality of this new heaven and new earth, which, why I call it a beautiful future. Notice what it says, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create, this is verse 18, Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy, and I will rejoice in Jerusalem and I will joy in my people. See, this 
beautiful future that God is promising for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus, that promise is full of a reality of joy. So that's why I call it a beautiful future because joy is a disposition of the heart that is settled in who God is and knows that no matter what's going on right now, this temporary suffering or this light affliction is but for a moment, as Paul says. That this is temporary. That the issues that you're dealing with right now are truly temporary. And because of that, now your heart rests in the reality that God is in the process of remaking things. Now again, if something is temporary, should we treat it like it's going to be there forever? But isn't that what we do? I mean, I do that all the time. Where it's like I take something that is temporary and I pretend like it's fixed. But then I read a text like what we're reading and I'm like, oh man. God's plan is a place of joy. The people, a joy. Now what's fascinating also here is that not only do you get a new heaven and a new earth, but you get a new city as well. Now, the concept of the city, that starts right in the beginning of your Bible, back actually in, you know, all the way back in Genesis chapter 4, and then ultimately comes to its zenith in the book of in Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. See, humanity found really quickly that security and stability will happen when we get together. Of course, the Tower of Babel they were trying to find security and safety without God, right? And so they start to build this tower. But what's amazing is, is God knows that we are hardwired for relationship. That's why we gather in community. And the Bible is actually a tale of two cities because Babylon shows up very early as an example of people gathering together without God as the center. And then God's saying, well, I'm going to gather together Jerusalem, the city of peace, And I'm going to dwell there. So community can happen in or outside of Christ, but there is this disparaging reality. And by the time you get to the book of Revelation, guess what? You have Babylon and Jerusalem playing together again. It's amazing. It's like from Genesis to Revelation, you have this idea. And John, in his revelation of Revelation 21, listen to what he says in verses 2 and 3. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. So in this new heaven and new earth, there's also a new city, this new Jerusalem that's coming down. Now it's beautiful because John uses some really powerful imagery here. First as a bride adorned for her husband. I mean, that's a beautiful reality. I mean, I just saw my sister Cynthia, who I love so much and I love what God has done in her life. And as she stepped out, I'd never seen Cynthia in a white gown before carrying flowers. And it was so beautiful. As Cynthia came on out, Chris, the groom, said, oh, you look beautiful. It was like, it was so, it was like everyone was just going, you're beautiful. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, this is a wedding day. Give him a round of applause. This is such a beautiful thing. In the same way, when that new Jerusalem, when God brings in this new city, everyone's going to be like, oh, that's beautiful. Right? Because what's beautiful about this city? Listen to what he says. 
I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Now, do you know what's powerful about this? If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, and I realize not all of you are, and if you're not, first let me say, I'm super stoked that you're here with us. I want you to feel comfortable to explore Jesus here with us. No one got their religious affiliation checked on the way in the door. You know, and we do that because everyone's allowed to gather together. And we're all, everyone's in different steps on their faith journey. Everyone's in process and God's doing different things. But for those of you who are followers of Jesus, what's powerful about the new Jerusalem is that you are actually already the new Jerusalem. Why? Because the Bible says that the word, speaking of Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. You know what that word dwelt means in the Greek language? Tabernacled. That Jesus came and he set up his house with us. Eugene Peterson in his paraphrase of the Bible, the message says, Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Such a powerful picture that Jesus kind of moved on into the neighborhood. And if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus has already done that in your life. And because Jesus has already done that in your life, you are already a place where God dwells with people because through your faith, the spirit of God has Jesus dwelling in your heart. And so what's beautiful is that you and I, as the people of God, we are a trailer for the feature presentation of the consummation of all things. Now, how many of you guys know what a movie trailer is? So you ever go to the movie theater and show up like 15 minutes late? Oh, you're there on time, but it takes you 15 minutes to get your popcorn and your jujubes, right? But what happens is you show up there, it takes you 15 minutes, you still walk in and you're still 10 minutes early. Why? Because there's all these commercials for coming movies, right? They call those movie trailers. Now, what's fascinating about a trailer is if you ever sit in a movie theater, now, I'm one of those people who I like to sit a little bit towards the back, you know, and I do that because I'm, a, I'm actually just, I go to the movie, but I'm really a people watcher. So when a trailer goes on, you can always tell if people like a trailer or if they don't like a trailer, right? Because it's like, and the trailer's over, everyone's like, oh, yeah, I got to go see that, you know? Or when the trailer's going on, if they don't like it, they're just kind of like... Right? See, in the same way, the way that you live every single day, you are a trailer for the feature presentation of who Jesus is in the life of a person. But we say amen, but the reality is, is are you the kind of a trailer that's off-putting? I mean, it's funny. So, like, me and Lynn will go to the movies, you know. We really, we just flee our kids and get a babysitter and we run to the movies, you know? We do love our little people, though. But, like, if it's, like, a romantic comedy, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Lynn's just stoked. She's like, oh, that's so good, you know? And I always say, I'm like, you want to see that, don't you? She's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be great, you know? And, of course, if it's, like, a espionage action thriller, then I want to see that, you know? But it's so interesting because it's, like, everybody has a response to the trailer, And you got to ask yourself, is the way that you live your life, the way that you carry yourself in this world, do you make people want to go see the feature presentation? Or do you make people say, there ain't no way I'm going to waste my time with that? Because you know what goes on? The biggest issue Jesus has today is us. When was the last time you met somebody who believes in Jesus and you're just like, oh. Like when people are judgmental, gossips, all the stuff that we can be, even though we love Jesus, it's like people are like, oh, is that really? 
Like, is that what Jesus does to somebody? How many of you ever been put off by somebody who's a follower of Jesus? Yeah, a lot of us. And if you don't raise your hand, you hang around us long enough, we will do it at some point. That's why we believe in Jesus in the first place. But it's like, it doesn't justify it. But the idea is, is we want to make sure that we make Jesus, we tell the reality of Jesus in our lives in such a way that people are saying, I don't know about all that, but that's pretty amazing. And I'm so grateful for all the amazing examples of witness, great trailers of Jesus in my own life. So many people who, just who they are, their humble, steadfast faithfulness, their generosity, their grace that they're experiencing, they're passing along, how much that reminds me of how awesome it is to be a follower of Jesus. When I see someone who's walked with Jesus for a length of time and they go through hardships in the way they abide in the midst of hardships, it reminds me so powerfully of what God can do in someone's life. And I'll be honest with you, as the Crossroads family, my prayer is that all of us are amazing trailers. That our lives and our testimony would make people be like, I need to know more about Jesus. It's like Star Wars trailers. When those things come out, everyone's just like, oh, I can't wait for December, you know? And that's how we should be in the ways that we move through this life, the ways that we carry ourselves. So we begin with this reality that there's this beautiful future coming. And it's a new heaven, it's a new earth, it's a new city. Now, at the end of verse 19 and going forward, look what it says. And the voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. And then Isaiah 65, 20. No more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days, for the child shall die 100 years old, but the sinner being 100 years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. And my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth children for trouble, for they shall be descendants of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. Now, in giving us details about this beautiful future, we learn that things will be as God intended. That's what we learn in these verses, that things will be as God intended. First, we see at the end of verse 19 that the voice of weeping shall no longer be heard and heard, nor the voice of crying. So these outward manifestations of the brokenness of our hearts, that won't be there. And then we get into this whole discussion about ages. No more, verse 20, shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his date. For the child shall die 100 years old, but the sinner, being 100 years old, shall be accursed. See, now, this speaks to the way God intended the original creation, the heavens and the earth that were created in Genesis 1-1, the world that we live in and have had our entire lives in. God's intention was never that there would be death. But on this earth that we live in as it is, death always follows on the heels of life. Whether we like it or not, we're all under this reality that I'm one breath away from the end of this life. And that's not like morbidity. That's just reality, right? Nobody can say for sure how long that they have. 
And so that is not the way God intended it. Death entered the world when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, if you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And Satan says, no, you won't. Nope. It ain't gonna happen. But sure enough, they ate. And in that very day, remember they made their first attempt at fashion, little fig leaves, you know? And God said, no, 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 no. And an animal died that day. The first time death ever happened was that day when God said, I'm gonna cover you. Wow, that's a picture, of course, of Jesus' work. But this whole idea is, I mean, whether it's a child, an infant, who dies way too early for whatever, you know, we we call it sudden infant death syndrome, we have these things. Whether it's that or an old man who has not fulfilled his days. So whether it's someone who's an infant or somebody who's well-advanced in years, this is not supposed to happen. And then he goes on to say, for a child will live to be 100, and even a sinner who's 100 will be accursed. Now, you're like, well, what does 100 mean? So in their culture, you have to realize, if you look at lifespan throughout history, in the book of Genesis, people lived a long time. And then very quickly, people began to live much less. As sin became more, it was proliferating and growing through society. Around the time of Jesus, people only lived to be in the upper 20s and the early 30s, by and large. That was the lifespan. Now, of course, once you hit the scientific revolution and the advances in modern technology, like people started to learn, like, you shouldn't drink water that is freestanding or there's human excrement in it and all these things. All these, you know, and of course, you have all these now hand sanitizers that will kill everything, including you, you know, and it's like you have all these things that go on, but it has helped to elongate our lives. So now the average lifespan is in the 60s or so. But, you know, we have people who live much longer. But to live to be 100 in a time span when people live to be 30, 35 years old, that's a huge lifespan. So the idea is that instead of it being that everyone dies, now it's like you're going to live a huge, long, a longer life than you ever imagined. Maybe if that was written today, it would be you'd live to be 200 years old. Right? So the idea is that death won't be always following on the heels of life. And not only that, in verse 21 it says, they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. So all of this, if you've studied the book of Deuteronomy with us, you found that the blessings of God for the children of Israel is that they would be in a place of safety and stability that they could plant a vineyard and actually eat of its harvest. They could build a house and actually live of it. But if they rejected God, they would build a house and someone else would live in it. They would plant a vineyard and somebody else would eat of its fruit. So the idea here is that now in this new, beautiful future that God has, everything will work the way that it was intended to work. Now, what's hard for us when we start thinking about this is about what God does, he realized that we have no reference point in our lives to understand this. Because you all realize you've always lived in a world where everything doesn't work as it's intended to. Isn't it true? I mean, like, let me give you some examples of this, right? How many of you guys enjoy all the pharmaceutical commercials on television, right? I love this. It's like, you don't like how thick your hair is. Well, take this pill. It might induce seizures, you know, uh, jaundice, and discoloration of the skin, but at least you'll have nice full hair. In the world that we live in, that's not the way God wants it. But what goes on is that we live in a day and age where we try and fix one thing and we break another thing. Right? Isn't it true? And it's like, so we're going to fix this thing, but when we fix this thing, this thing breaks. We fix this thing, and this thing breaks. I think about my grandfather. I love him so much. My grandfather, Anthony, he's 93 years old. So about 15 years ago, my grandpa needed two new knees, 
So he went and he got his, his new knees. I'm like, Grandpa, you're bionic now. He's like, watch out, you know? But you realize that you, you go to get a double knee replacement surgery. That's a big deal. And obviously, the uh, recovery period was very challenging for him. But I'll never forget it. After he got the two new knees and he went through the recovery period, well, we went to see him. And my grandfather, God bless him, you know, he went to the Italian American club. So, you know, that, I'm all Italian. So that's how that goes. So all the Italians in the Northeast, when they retire, they move to Florida. And then they like to set up like little Brooklyn. You know what I mean? So all, they're all together and they're all talking with their hands. They're all loud. And they have all like the old songs. I mean, I mean, they're not old songs for some of you. They're your favorite songs, but like Sinatra, Dean Martin, you know, the Rat Pack. It's like, those are our uncles. And so that's how that all works. And so sure enough, my grandpa grabs my grandma and they're like dancing around. And I didn't realize that my grandpa was like Fred Astaire's nephew or whatever. Because my grandpa had some moves. And I'm just like, look at grandpa go. And I'm like, well, he's got these bionic knees. You know, I'm thinking. But as I'm watching my grandpa dance, I notice that my grandpa's pants are like too high. You know, and it's like, and you can see his socks and everything. And I'm like, and I'm like watching this. I'm like, what's going on with this? You know, and so when my grandpa gets back, when my grandpa gets back, I'm like, Grandpa, you were dancing with Grandma. I mean, you were so smooth. I didn't realize you had those moves. You know, I'm like, but what's up with your pants? And he's like, you'll never believe what happened when I got my new knees. I grew by three quarters of an inch. He's like, all my pants are the wrong size. I got to let them all out now. And I started laughing. I was thinking about how the way we live now, we fix one thing and we break another thing. So my grandfather's got great new bionic knees, but now all of his pants don't fit the right way, you know? And that, isn't that how it goes in our lives right now? It's like you go to the doctor, and, the, and your doctor's like, man, doctor, I got indigestion. And he's like, okay, here, take this pill. You take this pill, and all of a sudden you're like, I can't hear anymore. <laughs> right? And some of you guys, like, you're real serious about this. As I am, like, I, I gotta get my life together. I get one thing right, and then something else goes out of balance. You know what I mean? Like, okay, so I got, I got my eating down, but now I, I just sleep in every day. So I don't get up and have a quiet time. Or so you got all these things. And that's the way it is in the world that we live in. You fix one thing, you break the next thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's right. It's like at some point you say, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know, forget it. You know, I actually know somebody who they have a beautiful yard and they take their yard so seriously that anytime a weed pops up, they actually paint that weed with weed killer, like with a little brush. God bless them, right? But you know what the problem is? No matter how many times you paint that weed with a little ortho or whatever, another weed grows back. And that's the world we live in. But I say all that to say, that's the only world we know. But that is not the only world that there is. And this text tells us that in this beautiful future that God has for us, there is going to be a world where things work the way God intended it to work. Jesus is real. Sin has done a number on God's intentions for creation. We weren't meant to live with fear and pain and sadness, and we weren't meant to live apart from God. As Pastor Daniel shared today, the choice to follow sin meant that we have to wait to know the perfect life God created us for. However, if we commit to following Jesus, we can rest in the knowledge that we'll someday have this life and be part of the new, perfect world. 
Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel urges us to develop an eager expectation of the new and better life we know is coming. We know that what we see now isn't what will be, nor is it what was ever intended by our perfect and loving Creator. One day He'll return and wipe evil from the earth, and we'll live in peace with everyone and everything. Until then, we need to continuously share the hope we cling to. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Echoes. Until then, may God bless.